Good morning. I am Tara Gornick. This is Brian Gornick, my husband. We are some covenant members here, and we are part of the Dunleavy's MC. We are, or I am reading from John 17, 20 to 26. It's on page 527 in the Blue Bibles under your chairs. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Pray with me this morning. Dear Lord God, great God, Heavenly Father, Lord, we bow before you this morning and recognize your kingship in our lives. And God... um, We pray for unity in your church, in your church globally, in this country. We pray for unity in your church, in this city, and here in this congregation. God, you are the great unifier. Your love, your holiness, your grace, your mercy, your justice, God, it breaks down all walls. And God, we pray that here in this congregation that we would realize that power that you have for us as we look around and want to exemplify that unity in our lives, in our community. God, we pray for supernatural power to fight for that because it is hard There's a cost to it. It's not easy. All of the the walls that this world sets up, that we set up, seeks to, to divide. And God, you have given us all that we need to live a godly life, and it's there for us. You have given it to us. And God, we just need to open our hands and allow you and your power to work through us, each individually and us as a community. Teach us, God, what is community. Teach us, God, what is unity. God, we love you, and we ask this for us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Good morning, church. My name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors here at SOMA. And I, when I 
instruct on how to preach is a thing I do from time to time. I always tell everybody, make sure you keep in mind the tone of the room when you get up to speak. In other words, if you've had a morning that's full of energy and the praise band is going and people's emotions are high and you're going to bring it down a notch, you got to warn people. And if it's been a mellow morning and you're going to bring it up a notch, you got to warn people. So this morning, I'm here to ask you, I need you to stay up at the same register that we have already been this morning because we have an absolutely powerful message from our Lord this morning that I want to share with you. So the same energy that we've brought all morning, I hope you can stay with me. I hope you can keep that energy high because I need your help this morning because I am extremely excited about what uh, the Lord has for us to, to learn from his word. And as I do, uh, I'm going to invite uh, my brother, uh, Deacon Tony Christ, to come up. Tony is going to teach with me this morning as well. One of our jobs as pastors, our primary responsibility is to ensure that truth is being taught at Soma, not just Sundays, but all week long. And that does not mean that we are the only voices that, that Pastor Bobby and, and Andrew and myself are the only people that you've heard from. You've already heard this morning from powerful voices full of the Holy Spirit sharing God's word with you. And you're going to hear from one more this morning uh, as Tony shares with me because I am convinced that this is a man full of the Holy Spirit and faith who understands God's word, who has already blessed and taught me this week. So it's my privilege to teach with Tony this morning, uh, and I would certainly endorse every word that he says and, and say that, yes, this is a man who's teaching from God's word. So this morning, we're going to be looking at John 17, 20 through 26, which Tara just read. And just to give anyone a recap, if you haven't been here for almost a year now, We've been looking at the words of Jesus as he implores us to be the people of God under the rule of God. What does it mean to be God's people? What does it mean to live in God's kingdom? And we did that through the whole Sermon on the Mount. And then for the last several weeks, we've been going through the things that Jesus said to his disciples at the Last Supper and then going into the garden. And if you're new to church, if you don't know, Jesus gathered his best friends together one final time and he knew the next day he was going to suffer and he was going to die and he said these are the final things I have to say to you these are my last words these are the most important things that I can pass on we've now come to the end with him and he's going to share the things that are most important and most dear to his heart and what we're going to read this morning takes place in the garden where Jesus is praying and, and he's going to pray and he's going to ask his father, Lord, please don't let this happen. Please let this cut pass from my lips. Not my will, but your will be done. And he's going to be under so much stress and so much pain and so much agony. He's actually going to start sweating drops of blood. And if you ever wondered what was on his mind at that last moment, before the soldiers came to take him away and the beatings began and the crown of thorns was placed on his head and the nails were driven through his hands and feet. If you ever wanted to know what he was thinking about, what was most near and dear to his heart, we're gonna find that out this morning. So throughout the first part of chapter 17, he's praying for his best friends. As I think any of us would be thinking about in those last moments, you're thinking about your family, you're thinking about your friends and he prays for them desperately and he asks his father to be with them not to take them out of the world but to protect them and now we get to verse 20 
and he's going to start praying for somebody else. And he says in chapter 17, verse 20, I do not ask for these only, speaking of his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Everything he's been praying and teaching for the last four chapters doesn't just apply to the disciples, to men who lived and died a long time ago, not just to his family and his friends, but actually to everyone who would believe their word, which is all of us. If you want to know what our Lord was thinking about in the garden while he's sweating drops of blood, while the weight of the universe is threatening to come crashing down on him, what was he praying for? Who was on his mind? It was us. He was praying for you and he was thinking about you. And he was not just thinking about you as an individual, he was thinking about all of us together. And he was asking something of his father. And that's what we're gonna look at this morning. You see, Jesus tells us that it is our unity that is going to announce God's glory to the whole world. And when he does, he's asking his father to give his people the vision to execute that. He's asking for us to have the power to be the people of God under the rule of God, to be one holy nation. And so in those last moments, that's what's on his mind. That's where his heart is. You can see in the text that um, Jesus was praying for us. And we know as being believers, prayer is good, is it not? We need prayer. And we like to see that prayer come to fruition. Like he was thinking about you and I, that we would be covered. And I can say confidently that that prayer that he prayed is still covering us now. Don't you know that you have been protected? That God has had his hands all over you, over your family, over your legacy that's about to come, that is already here over your kids? It's here now. And he's asking us to carry on his prayer for others. And as we read in verse 21, it says that, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We have to believe in this thing, that we were created for a purpose. And you know what that purpose was? Community. You have to believe that you were created with the purpose of community. And I want to give you a Bible reference scripture from 1 John 4 and 4 is where it says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? Amen. See, we have to cancel out all those, I guess the floodgates open up, especially with media. I don't even want to go into social media. That is telling us, even when we was born, that we are separate. Even the history that we have, we are separated. But we do not live by that. For we are a community of one. We believe in the Father who has died for us, who has prayed for us. And we are living in that community today. Amen. 
So Jesus says in verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I've given to them that we may be one even as we are one because it is our unity that announces God's glory and love to the world. And glory is one of those words that we say in church a lot. And I want to unpack what that means. In the Old Testament, when people were first coming to understand who God was and God was announcing himself to his people, he was so unapproachable, so uh, so powerful that you couldn't even look upon him without, beyond dying, just being incinerated. That's how holy, how incredible God was. But the people knew that God was there because there was a shining light all around. And the light that they saw, they called his glory. His glory was the physical manifestation of him. Because you couldn't look at him, you had to look at the light to know that he was there. It is the physical brightness, the shining radiance that lets you know that there is a God and that he is present with you. And it's in that sense that John, earlier in his book, when he starts out his book and he's talking about Jesus coming into the world, listen to the words he's using to describe Jesus. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Do you see it? There's the shining light and it's in the person of Jesus. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him but to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God. He broke out life beyond the boundaries of one people, beyond the boundaries of just one race, and included it to be everyone that sees him now has the right to be one of God's children. Children who are born not of blood, nor of will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but children born of God. This is what seeing that light, this is what encountering that glory does. It now means you are a new person, not created by blood, but created by God himself. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And from his fullness, we all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God who is at the Father's side, has made him known. You see, when Jesus says, you gave me your glory, he's saying, I'm the shining light. They couldn't see you, God. You, you're too much for them. But I'm the shining light that they can look at and they can say, oh, I see the Father now because I see his glory in his son, Jesus. And in verse 22, he says, the glory you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. In other words, as the world looked at Jesus and saw God, Jesus says, I give my people that same glory so that they look at you and they say, oh, I see God. I know what he's like that they may be one even as we are one because our God exists in perfect relationship for all time. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a diversity in unity. There is only one God. 
but he exists in himself in a relationship of diversity. There is only one body. There is only one people of Jesus Christ, but it is composed of different members. It is composed of diversity and differentness. And it's only when those things come together that people can look at us and say, oh, I get God now. Part of the reason why people have such a hard time with things like the idea of Trinity and the idea that God could exist in this relationship is because they look at the church and they don't see it. They don't look at us and they're like, well, if that's what God's like, I want no part of that. They see a church that is okay with unity as long as everybody's the same. That's not our God. Our God is unity and diversity and he calls us to be the same thing so that we bear his glory, that we are light shining in the darkness, that people look at us and they say, oh, Jesus, in the same way they looked at Jesus and said, oh, God. Amen. Amen. And so in verse 23, it says, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. PSA to all introverts. Do you have any introverts in here? Come on, raise your hand. I'm one of them too. Come on, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Listen, we were not created to run this race alone. Amen? We were not created for that. Matter of fact, it says here in verse, in John 15 and 4, it says this. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot, will not bear fruit by itself. You got to be close to community, y'all. For things that feel uncomfortable, we're supposed to be different. But one in God. How many of y'all are Colts fans? Football about to start up. Y'all Colts, ain't it? Woo, ain't no Colts fan. Oh, it's kind of dead up. Crickets, crickets, crickets. Okay, all right, I'll move along. Okay, all right, I'll move right along. Can't use that analogy. Uh, Pacer fans? Pacer fans, hey, what? Crickets. Uh, Fever fans, hey. Dang, can't use that analogy. Team, team, okay, 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 okay. Team, any good team that you all like, amen. Think, think about this. Think about this. In a team, okay, whether it's college, uh, professional, all of them, you check their roster. I do like, like checking the rosters and stuff, see who's good, who's not, and whatever. But you check the roster. Are all of them from the same city? Are all of them from the same state? But when they put on that uniform, aren't they one? And when they put on that uniform, they have one common goal. That's the score. They know for a fact that we have to come together, though we are from different backgrounds, we have a gun goal in mind. That is to become unified and scorn for Jesus. Scorn a touchdown. Scorn community, what that feels like, what that looks like. And so you have to be in it. You have to be sold out for it. So sell out for Jesus because he sold out for us. He sold out for us praying for us, even when he was about to go through. Y'all know what happened in the next chapter. He did that for us so we can stand here today teaching and preaching his word. Amen? 
It is our unity that announces God's glory and God's love to the world. In verse 24, Jesus keeps praying. He says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, keep that in mind, we are given to Jesus by the Father. We are, Je- we are a gift from God Almighty to Jesus Christ. Jesus loved his son so much that he gave him a good gift, and that is you, and that is me. That is beautiful. That is a beautiful thing. That whom you have given me, that they may be where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. This love that God has for his son It's beyond eternal. It is beyond time. Time started when he spoke the world into existence. And before that, before there was ever even any way to measure time, he was loving the son and the son was loving the father. And Jesus says, I pray that you would bring all the ones you gave me safely to me to see where I am. We live in a world that is afraid actively afraid of the unity of the body of Christ and it seeks to undermine it. And you will hear people say things like, I don't want my country to look like this or that. I don't want to hear this or that language. I don't want to see these or that people. And they act like there is something to be afraid of when God's children come together. And for the world, maybe there is, but there is nothing for us to fear. Jesus has already said that the Father gave us to him, and he asked the Father, hey, bring them home safe. We do not have to live in fear, certainly not of one another, much less anything else. And in a world that is so full of anxiety and tension and fear and people afraid of losing what's theirs, Jesus asks us to be completely different than that completely other from that, to be open-hearted and unifying, seeking to bring men and women and children from every tribe and tongue and language and nation together, gathered around the throne, celebrating him. Because when we do that, we manifest his character, his diversity and his unity. And the world looks at us and they see God himself. And they say, I know there is a God in Israel. And so Jesus says, be the light of of the world. It says in verse 25, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. Um, we cannot be, how can I say, um, there's a saying, it goes, um, God know my heart. Have you ever heard people say that? God know my heart. Like it give you a, like a, a, how can I say, you can do whatever you want, pass. Like, but here's my question to us, Soma. Do you know God's heart? That's the question. God, we don't have to question God. He know our hearts. But do you know God's heart? It says in John 8 and 55, it says this, and he's talking about the world. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. See, if you know him, you got to keep his word. There's another saying that says, when I squeeze you, what will come out? If you squeeze an apple, you will get 
what? Apple juice, right? If you squeeze an orange, you would get what? Orange juice. If you squeeze a Christian, what would you get? Okay? You should get love. You should get patience, long-suffering, self-control. Those are the words that he gives us to abide by. So you see a stranger, you show him some love and give him a piece of chicken too. <laughs> Amen? Amen for the chicken, huh? Amen? All right. You invite him out to lunch. Get to know them. What's up with all these different barriers that we have in life? We are different. We're supposed to be. But God broke that through his love. So we're going to carry out his word. Amen? We're going to go out here and we're going to love. But before we go out in our community love, we got to love one another here and right now. In Jesus' name. Amen? So we know God's glory right? The light. We know it and we have seen it and we have experienced his love, the same love that he has for the son in a way that the rest of the world has not. We cannot judge or condemn the world for failing to to understand these things that we understand because we have seen light and we have seen love. And Jesus makes this plain in verse 26. He says, I have made known to them, to us, I have made known to them your name, That is God's fame, his character, his person. I've made you, Father, known to them. And I will continue to make it known. So it's not over. It's not like one time we learned something about Jesus and that was enough. Jesus' ministry of making himself known and making the Father known to us continues. And it continues because he wants the love with which you have loved me that it may be in them and I in them. The reason why Jesus keeps making the Father known to us, why his ministry of announcing the glory of the Father, of being light, the reason why he continues it even now is because he wants that love, that incredible, unmeasurable love that the Father and the Son have for each other. He wants it to be in us. And he wants us He wants himself to be in us. This love, the love that creates perfect unity between Father, Son, and Spirit, this love empowers us to be in Jesus, to be the physical presence of Jesus as one single body, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, made up of different members with different abilities and talents and gifts and backgrounds and histories and stories and influences without deleting any of that, without erasing any of it, but calling it all to a higher place where we come together as one body filled with the presence of Jesus. So we come to the end of our Lord's Prayer. And what are we going to do with this? Because our unity is announcing God's glory and love to the world. And those are some big ideas, right? This is big. This is huge. Be a glory bearer. Be someone who's carrying the light of Jesus Christ. Even this idea of being unified, this is still, these are still up here ideas. 
So for the rest of our time this morning, Tony and I would like to bring this home so that we can figure out what do we do with these big ideas? All right, love each other, be unified, be glory bearers. Those are huge. What does that mean this week? What does that mean? What are the consequences on us of asking Jesus to do this for us? So this morning, we're gonna leave you with what you need to know, what we should be, and what we need to do to put some shoe leather on this idea. Application, we need that. We hear the word, let it sink in, but we cannot stop there. We got to apply it in our everyday life. Christian communities last because they transform the way they interact with one another. They reject the patterns of this world. Amos 3, 3, put it like this. It's a question. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? We have to speak the same language. We got to be going in the same direction, y'all. We have to. And there's another scripture that, that put it plainly on what we need to do and what that looks like. And I took the message version because it hit home for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 3 to 6. This is a message version. It says, the world is unprincipled. It's a dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing the entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Isn't that great? Isn't that good? That that's what should form our mindset, our worldview, that we're casting out all those thoughts that we have been through, even the own experiences that you have endured. I know it have not been good. I know what the media says. I know what our government says going through. But we are great because God is in us. For we don't walk by those tools. We smash those tools with the gift that God has gave us. And that gift is love. What thing can be greater than love? I ask you again, what thing can be greater than love? There's nothing. That's none. That's the, what we have to give out. Because love cancels out all things. Amen? What are we doing here? Why do we come together on Sunday? Why do we get together during the week? When it talks about what we know, what we need to know, right, as Tony said, is that we share one mind, the mind of Christ. What we need to know is that we've agreed to come together to meet, right? We know that we all have the same purpose. So what do we need to be? Well, our Lord already made it really clear. He, we need to be unified. And what that means, what our vision as Soma Church is, 
is that we would be a long-standing, consistent presence of God's people and God's reign right here in this part of town. There are other congregations of Soma Church that meet in other parts of town, and we hope that there's many more all over the city. One of the consequences of the way Christians have behaved in Indianapolis for many years is that we've cleaned out the city. So many moved out, cleared out. There used to be churches that are now closed, and there's a whole bunch of people living all around the ring, and there's new people have moved in. And in too many neighborhoods, the body of Christ has ceased to be present and visible. And so we're deciding, like, hey, we want to live here. We want to be the representation of God's kingdom. We want people who look like the people who live in our neighborhood to be us. We want people, you go through my neighborhood, you'll see people from every country, from every tongue and language. That's what we want. That's what we're trying to be. Long-term, consistent presence of God's people. Living, working, going to school. This is a long-term vision. This isn't a short-term thing. We're looking for people to put down deep roots, to put them down together, to be unified, to share this common identity. When they look at us, they should see Jesus. People say to me all the time, when they see my son, they say, oh man, he looks like they just like cut you out and chopped you down about half size. People look at my son, they see me. People should look at us and see Jesus. We need to declare God's presence. We need to be God's glory. That sounds crazy to say that. What are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be God's glory, a shining light in this neighborhood, in this community, in our schools, in our places of business, in our neighborhoods. People should look at us and they should see God. We should be shining. So a part of the the do is basically you getting to know one another too. You getting to know, like, <laughs> like being up here by now, it's been like about to be a year now we've been established here. That's something unique that you should find out by on one another. You should already know about me. I'm kind of like rah-rah. I like football. Um, but I too am an introvert. You wouldn't, probably wouldn't know that, but I am. But you have to change that. In a way that I, <laughs> that I was changed, it was through my, my wife, because she's so outgoing and, and stuff like that. So she know me like, man, you gotta, I got to push you out. You know what I mean? You can't be alone. So the thing about it is getting to know one another. It's like when I'm up here, it's okay to say hallelujah. It's okay to do that. No disrespect, no nothing, right? It's okay to raise your hand. All right. That's what I that's what I come from. A lot of people come from that. It's about making people feel comfortable at home. Like you could be yourself. Like you want to imagine people say this. I think they really do mean it. That I want you to feel so comfortable that you can take off your shoes. You know what I mean? You keep playing with me. I might do ahead and do that. You know, it's about making people feel comfortable as a community. You know, um, it's about uh, welcoming people in as they are. You know, we already know that God will meet us right where we are. And we have to do the same. We have to go out and, and, and not only have lunch, but we have to do life together. What does that mean? 
It's like, man, if one of your kids have a track meet or have a game or something like that, I think we should all be in the presence of that. If someone has like a, a, a party or, or, I don't know, a presentation, I think we should all be there and show that support rather than just coming up on Sundays. You understand what I'm saying? I guarantee you, people won't say it, but I know that would mean a whole lot to people. Am I right about that, Soma? If we just show up and just do life together. I don't know, man. Hey, I just was thinking about you. I just want to pray for you. I don't want nothing. I just want to pray about you. That prayer would go a long way. Oh, man. Oh, I saw something on social media. Oh, man, I like congratulations. People getting married. Congratulations. So it's just about doing life with one another. What that looks like. I think we have to go out of our way to do that. But I don't think it's going out of my way. It's, it's showing the love of Christ that's inside of us. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. So there it is. We are his glory, and we are to be unified to announce that to the world. We come to the time in our service where we share bread and we share a cup. And it reminds us that we participate together in the body of Christ. And this is a thing that it's real easy to do as a ritual. There's no ritual here. This doesn't mean anything by itself. It is supposed to symbolize and represent that we share one Lord. We eat from the same piece of bread. We dip in a cup together because we're all in it together. That blood is the blood that saved us. That bread is the body that was broken for us. And so I would invite you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, take part in this. If you don't know Jesus, if this is all sounds crazy to you, there's no pressure, right? Don't feel like you need to participate in this meal. This is a symbol that we do to remind us that we are one family with one Lord. That the blood that runs through our veins, that it doesn't matter what nation or what origin it comes from. The only blood that matters is the blood of Jesus Christ. That we are now a new people, a chosen priesthood. That there's no longer Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female. For we are all one in Christ, as Paul tells us. So that is what we celebrate this morning. And we do it to unify our hearts so that we can go out and shine in the world that is full of darkness. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, thank you for praying for us. Lord, thank you that in that moment, you weren't thinking of you, you were thinking of all of us. And you were thinking of your father and the love that he had for you. Thank you for trusting him, even when it cost you everything. And Father, I ask that you would hear your son's prayer and that you would grant it, that we might be one, even as you and Jesus are one. And Lord, I pray that the world would see and know that you sent Jesus and that you have loved them even as much as you loved Jesus. Lord, let us be one people with one heart and one mind, your heart and your mind. And let us shine, Father. We love you. Amen.